0: Street Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Chris Yao. He's Maurice Patton and we are Main Street Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Justin sent you the link there as Trevecca is getting ready to go live on their Facebook page with a press conference announcing what we talked about last week. The Gulf and South. the week before. And the week before. <laughs> Gulf South and Trevecca uh, have teamed up and they are about to have a press conference, so Justin, if you could pull that up, we'll try to take that live here in just a second if we can. Yeah.
1: Ah. We'll hear like you you the
0: video. Let's go ahead and mute that for now, uh, Justin, just in case that's uh that's that's audio that we can't use. <laughs> and we'll mm. get us muted. Mm. But yeah, let, let, as soon as we get a chance and see and see what uh, once they go to the podium, we will uh, take that press conference live from Trevecca and Boone Convention Center. I believe so. So we'll, we'll 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 get to that. That will be our top story today. So we'll tell you our top stories brought to you by Piggly Wiggly and uh, Neely's Mill Shopping Center. All of that. Is coming your way in just a moment. We'll try to get to the rundown a little bit after that. Uh, So, yeah, got a lot to get to today. Teresa Walker is going to join us, and we'll also talk with Chip Walters about homecoming, and unfortunately, but also his upcoming trip to Bowling Green and Western Kentucky, He'll make that dreaded 100-mile drive.
1: <laughs> Hopefully, the drive back won't be so bad.
0: Uh, that, that, is the, that, is, that is the prayer. Yes. That is the hope. Uh, so yeah, a lot going on today, and looking forward to it for sure. So, uh, we'll we'll get we'll get again we'll get into our rundown afterwards as uh, it looks like it's live. So let's take you there now.
2: That deserves a round of applause. Let me thank Dr. Boone and Mark and Greg for putting on a great show for us today. Thank you for letting us participate. Really hard to follow those hype videos. I'm not nearly that exciting so I'm glad there's people that can do that for you. So remember that if you begin to trail off as I speak to you that how exciting those videos were. Uh, also awesome to see so many student-athletes here. Uh, real reminder for us of why we why we make important announcements why we spend time making videos like that why do we uh, engage is because the opportunity for them uh, to compete graduate and impact which is a great way for me to segue into telling you a little bit about who the Gulf South Conference is the Gulf South Conference will have 12 members in 24 25 and we're about compete graduate impact we're going to compete for regional and national championships as you saw In just over 50 years, the Gulf South Conference has 54 national championships uh, As well as a multiple individual championships last year and for the last three consecutive years The Gulf South has had every one of its member institutions send at least one team to postseason play Okay, that's serious competition there. That's what we're about. That's what we're trying to achieve and every team Every institution the Gulf South Conference thinks they have a team that can make a run to a regional or national championship Uh, and intercollegiate athletics that should be a really important thing and it is in the Gulf South Conference we're also about graduate as you saw on there 600 over 600 student-athletes graduate from Gulf South Conference institutions every single year if we're not providing a pathway to graduation for our student athletes we're letting them down not every single student-athlete will graduate some will find other ways through entrepreneurship trade military service other ways to um, launch their professional careers, but if we're not providing a pathway of graduation for them, we're missing a critical window during their time that they're with our institution. So graduate is an important part of who the Gulf South Conference is. And then impact. We want our student athletes to impact their communities today and tomorrow. What you learn during your time in college will follow you throughout the rest of your life. And we hope that the student athletes within the Gulf South Conference learn that their platform as student athletes is unrivaled on many campuses. Your leadership opportunities, the way other students respect you, the way your faculty members and staff members look at you, those are unprecedented opportunities, the way young people look at you. Take that, impact those folks, and then carry that on into the future. So we're hopeful that folks will compete, graduate, impact while they're in the Gulf South Conference. So that's a little bit about the Gulf South Conference. Why Trebekah in the Gulf South Conference? That would be the next question. It's a perfect collaboration and a perfect partnership. When you look at what Trevecca has done as an institution, the vision that Dr. Boone and Mark and others laid out for us, it's clear to see Trevecca belongs in the Gulf South Conference and has high aspirations for the institution overall and athletics in particular. We're super excited about why that makes sense. The investment that the institution is making from the amount of personnel and staff and resources they provide for student athletes to have academic and athletic success. From the investment being put into new student housing, into libraries, into campus athletic facilities, shows a clear vision of who Trebekah wants to be and it looks a lot like the Gulf South Conference. The location makes great sense. Nashville, Tennessee, obviously a destination city, a great linchpin to the geography that is the Gulf South Conference. And then finally the leadership from your coaches to your Student-Athlete Advisory Committee, Dr. Boone and Mark, the leadership clearly indicates uh, where Trevecca is headed and it's somewhere that the rest of the Gulf South Conference wanted to go with them. So Trevecca makes great sense. When you look at the competitive success that Trevecca has had uh, in their former conference, their current conference, their former conference, as well as what they're going to be able to do in regional play, again, it looks a lot like the Gulf South Conference. So Trevecca is a natural fit for us. Uh, I'm a Belmont University graduate very familiar with Nashville grew up in Columbia, which is just south of here uh, and I know what it was like when uh, Union and Trebekah played or Belmont and uh, Trebekah played and those other folks and to be able to re engage those rivalries I'm sure is going to be something that's very exciting for the alumni staff and fans as well as the student-athletes and coaches, coaches of the uh, of Trebekah when we get those rivalries with Christian Brothers Union and League going again and an opportunity to play folks like Huntsville and Montevallo and make new rivals uh, in West Florida about Austin and others. So I really just want to tell you how excited we are and uh, I'm thrilled that I'm able to be up here today to brag on the Gulf South and to brag on the partnership uh, with Rebecca. So with that, I'm going to invite Dr. Boone up to make further comments.
3: Thank you, Matt, and it is our, it's been our joy to work with Matt through this process. I I think I owe you uh, just a little bit of the pathway for us to come to this. Uh, This is a great moment for us. It's one that Mark and I have actually been talking, praying about for the last couple of years together. Jereveka has been a founding member of the GMAC conference, and uh, it was a conference in which we had a great place, great partners, uh, good people. A part of the work of the GMAC conference was to have a southern strategy. As I worked on that strategy, and Commissioner Tom Dager of the GMAC worked on that strategy, we've been unsuccessful in terms of finding for us a southern pot of schools to play. It was the lack of our ability to do that and the apparent continued long travel of our students um, in the in the entire conference. There's only one school that we could play on a home and back trip. As a result, uh, our athletes have put a lot of miles uh, on their bodies and on the road, uh, which it makes it very difficult to do a 12-hour bus ride and then get ready to compete uh, for a game and then turn around and come back again and do all that. I'm proud of the way that um, Greg Runyon, our FAR, our coaches, the academic support structure of Trevecca, has come around our athletes to help them succeed over these past years as great members of the GMAC conference. And for Trevecca being in the Athletic All-American top tier year after year after year, it really speaks of this community's investment in our athletes to help them be able to study and do what they would do. As as it became apparent that we would never be able to build that southern tier, we began to look around and GMAC, uh, uh, the Gulf South Conference was so gracious to extend to us conversations that we've been in uh, now for the past months, uh, which has led to the invitation, application, and the acceptance into this uh, into this wonderful conference. I- I've had my eye on the Gulf South for a long, long time because the presidents of the Gulf South, many of them, are, are dear friends of mine, and we have very similar uh, type mission. Uh, I've appreciated the way that our athletic program has been led here on the campus. The day that I sat down with Mark Elliott when he was interviewing for the job, he said, what do you want? (laughs) And we had a substantial, a deeply substantial conversation. And out of that came Mark's leadership that we are Christian, we are about scholars, and we're about athletics and competition. So you're first a Christian, a scholar, and an athlete the ability of Mark to be able to bring crystal clear leadership around that and, and have quality at every level. It matters to us that our students are exposed to a grounding faith in God because we believe that gives to them the values, the morality, the work ethic, the, uh, j- just the set of beliefs that make them effective in the world that they will live in for the rest of their life. And then for our students to be scholars, I'm deeply proud of the scholarship level of the athletes of Trevecca. They do remarkable work. And then for them to be athletes. The last great, you know, I've been at this for 19 years now. And the last big project that I've got in front of me, and it is a bullseye that I'm throwing everything I've got at, Uh, We need to invest about $35 million in athletic facilities right here at Trevecca. And we need the help of the constituency who love and care about this place to do that. I don't know how it gets done apart from people like you in this room saying we care enough about our athletes to do this. Now, Trevecca's uh, number of athletes within our student body continues to grow, I remember, it seemed like a few years ago, we were at 180, and today we're at 360, 50, uh, almost doubling the number of athletes that we have on our campus in that period of time. And the facilities that we have, quite honestly, are not adequate to serve them. So you're going to see me on that charge. I want you to join me on that charge because you're here today to celebrate Trevecca athletics. And this is a moment in time that we need the Trevecca family the city of Nashville, and all our friends to come around this particular challenge that we have. Now, the renewing of old rivalries is a beautiful piece for me of joining the Gulf South Conference. I grew up um, as, as a student and then a pastor here in this place, I grew up watching these kind of rivalries. I can't wait for Christian Brothers to come to town, Union to come, Lee to come to town. And even as our non-conference schedule, we've been playing a lot of the teams in the Gulf South Conference over the past few years. And for us to be able now to have and form those deep uh, conference rivalries again, and and unless you think... uh, You know, in a pretty spiteful world that we live in today, the whole idea of having rivalries, you know, you just want to pound their heads in, you want to kill them and everything. Uh, My memories of some of our last days in the NAIA here at Trevecca were that a tornado had ripped through Union University's campus, and the students of Trevecca collected money just to give to them, and we happened to have a game with Union on a given night, And we were able to present the gift of students of Trevecca to our sister university. Uh, This is the kind of camaraderie that we believe is possible in our world, even on the athletic field of competition. And we want to be those kind of partners. I want the success of the schools of the Gulf South Conference to be of high priority to us. And we'll commit ourselves to that. And we want to be a great partner with them and to them so that we enrich one another. In a conference, in a conference, the success of one school lifts all schools, and we want to have that kind of partnership within this conference, and I already sense and see how that is the culture of the group of people that we've already begun to deal with. So I want to thank you for coming today. I want to thank you for uh, supporting our athletes in every way. Uh, I, I was given when I was uh, inaugurated into the Trevecca presidency by the student body, I was given a guitar. Uh, They knew that I liked to play, and I hung that guitar right inside my door so that the first thing i see when I walk into my office every day is that guitar hanging there with that plaque on it from the students of Trevecca. It's my reminder that none of us who work here have jobs apart from the students that we serve, and our primary work is to give students the kind of experience that lifts them into a lifetime of fruitful service and good work and deep character. And we wanna be that university and we're proud to be that university. We believe this new relationship with the Gulf South Conference helps us forge that in ways that are good and Trevecca's future is great. So thank you for coming today. And I get, I think Mark, you're up next. Let me introduce you to one of the finest athletic directors I know from.
4: Hey, uh, Chris, I think you are muted, sir. Sorry. You're right.
0: My bad. Hey, um, 35 million dollars. They want to put into athletic facilities at, at Trevecca. That's, that's a big investment.
1: That's,
3: yeah, it is.
0: I mean, for, especially for a small, I mean, $35 million in athletics, the way that most people think of athletics is mm-hmm. peanuts. But for a school like Trevecca, it's, that's a massive, massive. It's
1: incredibly significant. Yeah,
0: it, yeah. it really is. And, and the fact that they're willing to do that, they're willing to, make that type of investment into their athletics programs. I mean, this is a, this is a school that has been successful. I mean, they were in the, they were in the world series just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a, it has been a successful program. Obviously the women's basketball team made the tournament this past year under first year coach Karen Booker. So it's, it, it makes sense for them. And so I'm excited. I think this is going to be great and looking forward to, to, Uh, Getting more information about it. And of course, if you want to see the rest of that press conference, it will be available on their Facebook page on demand. So make sure uh, you can go check it out there. But before we get out of here, let's go to uh, yesterday's results and today's schedule on the rundown.
5: This is the rundown.
1: High school volleyball results from Monday: Battleground Academy defeated University School of Nashville three to nothing. It was Cullowoka three Marshall County nothing. Eagleville three Lincoln County nothing. Grace Christian of Franklin defeated Franklin Road Academy three to one. Oakland with a three to one win over Green Hill. Gallatin defeated Liberty Creek three nothing. It was Loretto three Lewis County nothing. Middle Tennessee Christian three Columbia Academy nothing. Providence Christian with a three nothing win over Webb School. And Page defeated Riverdale, 3-1. Girls soccer. CPA blanks BGA,
0: 3-0. It was Pope Prep, 7. Brentwood Academy, 4. Columbia Academy, Downs Cornersville, 6-0. Same score for Cullioca over Loretto. Fairview, a 9-0 winner over Marshall County. Columbia blanks Giles County, 2-0. It was Merrill Hyde, 3. White's Creek, nothing. Friendship Christian, 1-1 draw with Middle Tennessee Christian. Station camp. Blank's Greenbrier, 12 nothing Sycamore was a 5 nothing winner over Clarksville Academy. And Green Hill and Ballard Collegiate played to a nil-nil draw.
1: In NFL Monday night action, it was Philadelphia, 25, Tampa Bay, 11. And Cincinnati uh, edged the Rams, 1916. NHL preseason action. The Predators dropped a doubleheader down in Florida, falling to the Panthers 5-2 and 5-0. Today's high school volleyball schedule at 4.30. Lawson is at Hillsborough. At 5 o'clock, Santa Fe goes to C- Culioca. Gwincliffe hosts Overton. Loretto is at Hampshire. Uh, Lancaster Christian hosts Zion Christian. Laverne takes on visiting Warren County. Stone Memorial goes to Watertown. Battleground Academy is at Middle Tennessee Christian. Eagleville is at Blackman at 6. Also at 6, Stewart County is at Cheatham County. Hendersonville goes to Gallatin. Murfreesboro Central hosts Community. And Mount Pleasant is at Perry County. At 6.30, Columbia Central hosts Franklin County. Lawrence County goes to Lincoln County. Stewart's Creek is at Smyrna. Tullahoma is at Spring Hill. And at 7, Grace Christian of Franklin plays Providence Christian. Um, Looks like that may be a tournament game, and I'm not sure where it is.
0: Girls soccer action. Lawson is at Cane Ridge at 430, also at 430. St. Cecilia welcomes Harpeth Hall. At 5, it's Clarksville Northeast at Clarksville Academy and Richland at Cornersville. Glencliff welcomes Lead Academy and Overton plays host to Antioch. Rockville goes to Murfreesboro Central and Good is at Nashville Christian. Riverdale hosting Blackman. Springfield welcomes Ezo Harding. At 530, it's Lipscomb Academy at Innsworth and Whites Creek at home against STEM Academy. At 6 o'clock, Summit goes to Brentwood. Wilson Central is at Cookville. Grace Franklin is at Franklin Road Academy. And Hume Fogg welcomes University School of Nashville. Kenwood plays host to Henry County. And Kirkwood is at home against Montgomery Central. Hickman County is at Lawrence County. Stewart's Creek is at Lebanon. Station Camp goes to Macon County. Marshall County is at MTCS. Portland welcomes East Robertson. Ravenwood is at home against Franklin. DeKalb County is at Watertown. Columbia Central hosting Spring Hill fairview will be at franklin county and zion christian hosts web school
1: also at seven o'clock hillsborough is at beach west creek goes to clarksville northwest dixon county hosts cheatham county sycamore is at Harpeth. mount juliet goes to hendersonville independence hosts nolensville laverne hosts smyrna green hill goes to liberty creek merrill hyde is at martin luther king centennial is at page Siegel hosting oakland and white house heritage Travels to White House. Major League Baseball action of area interest at 510. Cincinnati's at Cleveland. At 610, Miami is at City Field against the Mets. At 620, the Chicago Cubs come to Truist Park, taking on the NL East champion, Atlanta Braves. Uh, at 640, St. Louis is at Milwaukee. And at 905 on TBS, Houston is at Seattle. WNBA semifinal action, game two, both these series. Connecticut is at the Liberty. That's a 7 o'clock tip on ESPN, followed by Dallas at the Axe. I'm sorry, Dallas at the Aces, also on ESPN. And that is your rundown. All right.
0: That's the rundown. We've got, again, Teresa Walker set to join us here in just a moment. We've also. Of course, at the top of the 3 o'clock hour, got Terry McCormick coming up and Chip Walters right after Terry. So stick around. Plenty to get to right after this on Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions.
5: And it's, it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients.
0: Call 615-274-8698 today.
6: You can't see the sights without the sounds.
7: From the crack of the bat to the roar of the crowd and everything in between, discover what Hit City has to offer. Spend your nights cheering on the Nashville Sounds at First Horizon Park with giveaways, fireworks shows, theme weekends, and more. Single game tickets are on sale now. Visit NashvilleSounds.com to claim your
6: seat today.
0: Welcome back in. It's Main Street Sports today, presented by me at Tennessee Bone and Joint, Chris Yao, alongside Maurice Patton. And it is Top Five Tuesday. Looking forward to Top Five most
1: memorable beatdowns in sports. You probably history. could have found a better way to put that. That uh, was just yeah. off the top of my head. I but think
0: it was, but it's exactly what I mean blowouts.
1: I mean, in light of what Miami did to. Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos yeah. over the weekend. Who apparently, I don't know if you've seen this meme, but apparently at some point, I guess Sean Payton was doing some NFL analyst work last year for somebody, maybe I don't know, but allegedly he made the comment that Tua Tagovailoa would be benched last year. Oops.
0: And, I, and he took that personally. I, apparently. <laughs> so
1: he, he said, God. if I get this, it won't be it will be because I'm playing badly. Yeah, How's it'll be that? because then, I'm,
0: <laughs> I, I have beaten you to a pulp. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, yeah. But yeah, play that play.
1: was the thought process behind most memorable beatdowns.
0: That's what we're going to go with today. Right now, we're going to go to Teresa Walker, who unfortunately had to Watched the entirety of the Titans game over the weekend. We did not have we, we did not have to do so, and we did not, and nor <laughs> did we. So, Teresa, our condolences.
9: Well, thank you. Um, it did have uh, shades of the Ken Wisenhunt hair era. Um, I'm There's nothing light. good
1: about that.
9: Right. I mean, yeah, sorry. I keep trying. I don't have a lighting assistant. So, you know, what can I say? Um, well, you sent
7: him off to work.
9: I know he's working busy and, you know, and and he wouldn't help me anyway. So I had one of those fancy lights and he used it so much himself that it, 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 it died. So I need to get a new one. Anyway, it, it it felt bad. And the funny thing is this in the third quarter, I had an instinct. You know, the offense was struggling so mightily that I reached out to a colleague of mine, Josh Dubo, uh, He's based in California, and and I call him uh, the stat savant. He knows how to work pro football reference and, and look up stats. It, it, he's a great follow on Twitter if you just love details and if you love to see Raider fans believe that he absolutely hates their team uh, because he points out, well, everything about them. And right now there's a lot of bad stuff. And uh, <laughs> so, but he, he is the stats event, savant. And, and I said, what's the worst offensive totals for the Titans since they moved to Tennessee in 97 and in all time. So I just had a feeling I was going to need that stat. And <laughs> I shared with my colleague that was covering uh, the game up in uh, Cleveland, Tom Withers, and it was just it was just so funny because he he's like, oh, they're at 93 yards now. It'll be fine because the previous low was 98 in 2006 against the Jaguars, and it wasn't. I hard. just had a feeling, and I mean, let's let's be honest. Based on that, you know, after the Sean Murphy bunny strip and recovery, and they go backwards on each play and had to settle for a field goal. It's like. That kind of set a tone for the day, and sure enough, they finished with not just the worst offensive totals. Now, you know they've, they've, they've been shut out. They got the field goal, thanks to Nick Folk, a trade that's looking better by the day, by the way. I think the Patriots would take him back in a heartbeat right now and maybe give you a six for him. Um, the fact of the matter is this was the worst performance since they were the Houston Oilers 49 years ago. So, um, and part of it is, guys, let's, let's be honest. Going into the season, we knew the offensive line had not just a question mark around it. There was a question mark at each position. You know, maybe the one person we felt best about is the left guard, Peter Skaronsky, because why? Well, he's the 11th overall pick out of Northwestern. And for all the people that are looking at Andre Dillard, and, and, and it ain't pretty. I mean, it's almost got some people wishing Dennis Daly was back, okay? That's how bad he has struggled in these first three I games.
1: I don't know who those people are, but...
9: I saw a couple tweets, and I'm like, really? Okay. Um, but, you know,
0: the work... As many sacks last year as we have this year... Uh, and Dennis Daly beat the Cowboys this past weekend.
9: All I'm saying, uh, Josh Dobbs beat the Cowboys this last week. Well,
0: Josh, Josh Dobbs had to be upright to do it.
9: Well, that is true, uh, but he's also mobile, guys. I mean, they tried to chip on Miles Garrett. I mean, the the, the the two of the sacks that that Miles Garrett got out of the three and a half. I mean, three of them came against Andre Dillard. And the one to end the first half where they couldn't get any points because they had to use their last timeout because TyJay Spears couldn't get out of bounds. And you've got to be throwing that ball out of bounds to stop the clock to save your timeout for a field goal attempt. And it was still a tight game at that point. You needed points out of that possession. And then, I mean, Andre Dillard was hanging all over Miles Garrett to end the first half. And he still managed while carrying the weight of Andre Diller to take down Ryan Tannehill. So when Mike Vrabel was asked yesterday, do you anticipate any changes on the offensive line? He's, he, you know, I saw some stories and headlines or at least tweets that said, you know, no, no plans yet. No, he said he was going to see who's available today. To me, that's saying, let's see how healthy Peter Skoronsky is. Maybe there's somebody on the the ready list, as they call it, or, you know, some and and, and people, Taylor Lewan is not walking through that door. My God, have you not seen the pictures of him? The poor man has lost so much weight. He is the typical NFL offensive lineman when they quit playing. All that extra weight that they need to carry to play in this league, they lose it. He is a lean, mean fight machine. He could be a tight end right now not a left tackle in the NFL aside from the fact that he is suing a doctor, Dr. James Andrews in his clinic over botching right, his yeah. knee surgery. So, uh, you know, it, new offensive coordinator, new offensive line. Aaron Brewer is the only guy returning from last year, and he moved from left guard to center. Uh, you know, it, it's just it, – it, and, and in these three games, there's only been one game that they've won that Derrick Henry touched the ball and ran the ball over 20 times, and they won that game, so, you know, but on the other hand, we all saw it Sunday, I mean, Derrick Henry was being tackled right after getting the handoff, so, and, and some of those guys were coming straight through there, the communication on the offensive line, where there's so many new people, and Dylan Raiden's guys, he, he, was, he tore his ACL December 18th, and he's already playing. I mean, he came in in the second period of last week's game and helped kind of settle down the offensive line. But, you know, he hasn't worked with Andre Dillard that much. He hasn't worked with Aaron Brewer, at least not in the left guard spot, that much with uh, Brewer at center. I mean, you know, there's a, you, you, the communication issues seem to be rather exposed. Because you had one guy helping on a double team here and somebody coming right through that empty spot, right to Ryan Tannehill or Derrick Henry. Tyje Spears is fast and he was tackled behind the line, okay? So they have, when, when Mike Brabel answered my question yesterday about how much is fixable, he said a lot, of, and, and, I, and the way I phrased it was how much is fixable in a game week. And he said there's a lot that's fixable. And they're going to get a chance to prove it on Sunday against the Cincinnati team that, well, at least they're not coming in 0-3 because the last time they came in to Nashville on a skid, they started a nice long winning streak in Nashville. So um, we're going to see how much they can fix. And guys, pray that Peter Skaronsky just needed a basic appendectomy uh, there's been some speculation amongst our media corps that uh, maybe his burst. And if you have a burst appendix, you're dealing with trying to make sure that there's no infection, and you're probably on antibiotics. They may have needed a bigger incision. But if it was a simple, okay, this has got to come out. We got to do it now. Then you know that's laparoscopic, and you know we, we we've been talking about when he might could return. And I've seen, you know, there have been guys that have returned quickly from an appendectomy, and the Titans certainly could use Peter Skoronsky if he's available and clear to practice this week. Well, you gotta, you they gotta, could
1: gotta, use Skaronsky. They could use anybody else. I mean, well, heck, maybe they could use Lewan. I mean, even in his current state.
0: I don't yeah, know. at this I, point. But, well, uh, if... If the burst was a possibility, the team would know about it and it likely would have gone on IR.
9: No. Well, that's a, IR would cost you four games. So the well, fact that you know they didn't put him on IR because they could have put they could have made that move on on Saturday, right? Uh, when they declared him out for the game before the Chargers. So and then that would have started the clock immediately. Right. So that to me is also your it, it's a great point, Chris, because otherwise if you know. You know, now some people are speculating maybe he's back next week against Indianapolis, and that's uh, what three, two and a half weeks. So he's been out about 10 days because we he, he he appeared on the injury report the Friday before the Chargers game with an illness. And right. you know, the, the procedure, as Mike Vrabel ca- called it, when he was asked if he had an appendectomy, happened on Saturday afternoon apparently. Now, is that noon? Six o'clock. I mean, you know, let's face it. Afternoon can spread over a wide range of periods. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, six hours for minimum. So it, all of that matters. So, and guys, I'll say this: at the NFL level, they're monitoring these guys, especially the starters. Okay, so it's not simply he wakes up, he his tummy's hurting, he calls in, and says, "Hey, I can't make it today." You know, uh, you know, they they they're keeping tabs on their starters, one, because they have to update the injury report, and they have team doctors that are literally paid to help keep an eye on these guys. So that's why I lean toward the idea that they could tell from an elevated white blood cell count, things like this, and, and guys, I speak as, as someone who's had an appendectomy, mm-hmm. You know, they, you can monitor these things and then realize, okay, it's go time. It's got to come out. So, and, you know, we'll, we'll learn a whole lot more tomorrow when we see the open period of practice, when we're in the locker room before that, if we see Peter, uh, if we see him on the field. And if he isn't, communication better get cleaned up and guys better figure out how to protect a little bit because Trey Hendrickson showed he knows the way to the quarterback last night if you were watching the uh, Bengals game against the Rams.
1: Teresa, no. What what does Vegas know that we don't know? Because the Titans were a point and a half favorite yesterday. I don't know if that line has moved following last night's outcome or not. But
9: what I saw is it has moved, and it's moved in the Bengals' favor. Uh, I think I saw a tweet this morning that you know maybe it has. You know, the reason they saw Joe Burrow take the field with a calf injury, and play the way he needed to play with a sore calf and get a win. So that's what makes me, and combined with the Titans coming out off an absolutely horrific offensive performance against a defense, guys, that has given up six points in three games, and the Titans got three of those points, okay? Now, the problem is the Titans offense, uh, to say it's anemic, They've scored three touchdowns, and they all came against the Chargers, okay? Uh, thank God they, ha- they added Nick Folk because he's made every kick he's attempted. And, you know, let's, let's be honest. Dating back to 2019, that was not a given. So um, that's it. I mean, when I was looking in my analysis for things that were good and looking what's working for this team, special teams. Uh, Mason Kinsey stepped in at punt returner for Kiaris Ke- Jackson, and, you know, he had a 13-yard return. He fair caught a punt. Uh, Ryan Stonehouse, thank God. I mean, you know, the guy with the amazing hang time is now figuring out how to angle punts. Mm-hmm. He had three that went out of bounds out of the seven. Now, there were two touchbacks, and, you know, that's an area that if it once he gets to the point where that ball maybe takes a Craig Hendrick, Brett Kern-like sideways turn at the one, then he's going to be an all-pro punter. Um, But you can see the improvement in his game every single week in his second season. That was kind of it, okay? Uh, They've got a lot to work on. It's just that simple. And, you know, getting the ball out quicker, better protection, you know what I saw the the way they were able to protect Ryan Tannehill is when they slid the protection and they had him rolling out behind him, and he was getting the ball off fast. But uh, there were just times where when he's dropping back, a straight drop back, they're just getting to him too fast. And and they that you know Jay, you know Jason Hightailing has got that's an area that has to be topic number one in the offensive line meeting room this week, and as we got to talk to Chris Moore yesterday, and I'm trying to, th- oh, Imani Hooker, and yeah, it, you know, the, the message Sunday was, and, and through this week, is it's a long season, so for the Titan fans that are absolutely panicking right now, and there were people wanting Mike Vrabel fired uh, the last couple of days, and I'm like, Walk off of the ledge, people. Get back inside the building. Calm down. This man has won 50 games in his first five seasons, okay? He, he's, he's You've gone to the playoffs with him three times, and in the other two seasons, you literally had a playoff berth on the line in the regular season finale, and it lost. you lost those games simply and literally because your quarterback was hurt and couldn't start the game. So calm down. It's early and... They play in the AFC South. So just, you know, come on. be You know, R-E-L-A-X, to paraphrase a quarterback in New York that's on IR.
6: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Teresa Walker of the Associated Press joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Um, there, you know, to your point, the last point that you were making, there are a lot of places and a lot of people that I would look to replace before I look to replace Mike Vrabel. And it it's you know it's it kind of goes back to the Bill Parcell's comment years ago about you know cooking the dinner but not being able to shop for the food. You know, there's only so much you can do with what you've got on hand in a lot of places and you and I kind of um emailed or or texted or something about this the issues with this roster are not issues that could be addressed in one off season so i mean i don't know i don't even know that you can judge rand carthon on what's on the field right now
9: i completely agree and that's the thing Think about how many people that they had to cut to clear salary cap space, okay? Uh, Taylor Lewan, Ben Jones, Nate Davis was allowed to leave as a free agent, and he's with the Chicago Bears. How's that working out for the Bears right now, okay? The Titans are tied with the Bears in having allowed 13 sacks. And going into last night's games, they're, I think, Washington? was maybe the only team that had allowed more sacks in the NFL. So, um, you know, and, and so there was a lot of deadweight injured guys. I mean, have we forgotten? This is the franchise that led the, team, the league in each of the last two seasons and players used because of injuries. There are 24 new players on this roster, six of them through the draft. Now there he, he was able to bring in Aziz Al Share uh, with him from, from San Francisco, Daniel Brunskill as free agents, and those huge additions. I mean, Daniel Brunskill is absolutely a pro and a huge help on that right side of the line. But do you know who's starting at right tackle beside him? Not Nicholas Petit Freyer, the guy who was a second round pick out of Ohio State last year, because he is sitting out a six-game suspension for gambling. Now he is back in the building. OK, uh, so this is one thing that could help him when he is available. The, the, the first time that he could be available to rejoin this line and get back on the field, October 29th against the Falcons. OK, he is able to attend meetings. He's able to work out in the building. He cannot practice. He cannot attend games. But at least that will ease the reentry period, if so to say. So, but Chris Hubbard is a guy that they signed after training camp started. So, and he's a guy who that they are leaning on at right tackle. And Andre Dillard, that three-year deal. Calm down, people. There isn't out after the second season. And with the cap space they've got available next year, and right now it's third most in the NFL. That might be somebody that gets cut if he doesn't show improvement sooner rather than later, because. Uh, uh, you know, as, as we often talked about last year with Dennis Daly, that you could put a traffic cone out there. Uh, Andre Gillard is in that area as we speak, unless he shows some improvement. And, guys, this is a man who was the first round pick in 2019 by the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Titans aren't the only team that saw something and see the tools there to be an NFL left tackle.
0: Well, whatever they're seeing, I would like to—I would like to begin seeing it soon. That's, what, that's all I'm asking. Just—just just show me some signs. I need to see some signs because, as Ace of Base, right? Signs? I don't see any signs. There are no signs. Teresa, thank you for taking time with us today. We hope that you have had a wonderful start to your week, and the back half is just as good.
9: Knock on wood. It's it, let's put it this way. There's a lot of games in the state of Tennessee this week, so I've got to get back to the to the wood pile and keep chopping.
1: Keep chopping wood, T. We'll catch up with you.
9: I'll get some better lighting for next time.
1: Uh, it's perfect. We're gonna hold you to that. <laughs> See ya.
5: All right,
0: let's take a break. Baseball. We got the Braves and the Cubs this week, but some big news or potentially big news in Major League Baseball came out yesterday. We'll talk about Mike Trout as well, so stick around. Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint is back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net.
6: With Lee Company technology, the best handymen are hands off. Lee Company techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company... Technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house.
0: Mockingbird Title and escrow is an attorney owned and operated full service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions.
5: And it's, it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients.
0: Call 615-274-8698 today.
1: Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Andres Galarraga and Reggie Sanders each had a pair of hits, Chipper Jones had a solo homer, and John Burkett, Mike Remlinger, Kerry Leitenberg, and John Rocker combined to allow one run as Atlanta clinched the National League East by defeating the Host Mets 7-1. It was the Braves' ninth straight division championship. That was this day in Braves history.
0: In his only season as a Brave, Reggie Sanders. How about that?
1: How about that? Yeah.
0: Oh well. Let's first talk mm-hmm. about what you just mentioned.
10: Mm-hmm.
0: Which about the first ever <laughs> Team Silver Slugger
1: Award? The first ever Team Sil- Silver Slugger Award. The Braves are a finalist for said award. Now. If it were me... Apparently, this uh, is a vote. I would move that the nomination cease. I I mean... I mean, who? It's not even close. I mean... The team. Do we know who? who, Yes. Are we voting for all teams? I mean, how? No, there are four finalists. Four finalists. The
0: Atlanta Braves, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the San Diego Padres. The Atlanta Braves have an 844 OPS, of course, that is on base, plus slugging. 909 runs, 299 homers, and they are slugging over 500. (laughs) The Dodgers. Are a full fifty points behind in OPS at seven ninety four. They've only scored and
1: forty eight. runs. Uh, forty runs. Forty behind.
0: runs. Fifty, almost sixty homers, and they're slugging 59.
1: just yeah.
0: almost sixty. <laughs> uh, and they're slugging just four fifty five. So I mean, it's not even close, folks.
1: And Philadelphia and San Diego are even farther further <laughs> behind. Yeah, the Braves have scored 900 runs. Nobody else is within 40 of them, as you said. The Braves' run differential is more than 200. And nobody else's is more than like 160, I don't think.
0: Here's my problem is to vote, they make you you select your favorite team. And I hope they don't.
1: You know, but penalize, penalize you. Penalize you
0: for
6: selecting. Voting your for your team. favorite
1: team, yeah. Just, even, even <laughs> just, just because often. your favorite team is most deserving, yeah. Wait a minute, you're ineligible to complete
0: this form. What did I do? I've been blocked from the MLB.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got theories, but I'll hang on to them. Um, <laughs> I
0: mean, Mike, it, what do you mean I'm ineligible?
1: Hold on. In the American League the finalists are Houston, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Texas. So
0: Man, I'm gonna to have to print my screen and go share this on, on on the Twitters. The Twitter the Twitters. This is ridiculous. What do you mean I'm ineligible? Hold on.
1: <laughs> Words got out about you, y'all. Yeah. Clearly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, your favorite team is the Braves. You pick the Braves, you can't, <laughs> you yeah. can't vote. Yeah. That's it. Oh man. Well, yeah. I, I don't. I, I mean, this is a apparently a fan voted award. One. Clearly, the Braves have great fan voting.
1: Just look at the All Star strike Well, I don't know though, man, because baseball is just a deal. That's at what I heard.
0: Um. Yeah. It's I don't. A big I don't, deal. I don't a see deal. this. Uh, I don't see this going well for anyone else. At least the, you know, the other side. eh? Someone said no Orioles on this list. No respect. Well, I mean, they, they aren't clearly. The Orioles aren't
1: bludgeoning people. Yeah, Clearly
0: these finalists are, are, are obviously like the top. Offensive. Offenses in OPS and runs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like the Orioles are, you know, uh, are just Blood being disrespected. Well, it's not like they're being disrespected. They just don't have the statistics to, to, to warrant. warrant being
3: yeah.
0: in there. I mean, it, it's okay to win with pitching. It, it has happened.
6: <laughs>
0: All right. So, anyway, Braves and Cubs tonight, Dansby Swanson's return. What do you think happened?
1: Um, who are the Cubs starting? Do we know? Who cares? Well, well, I mean, Justin Steele versus anybody else, I think makes a little bit of a difference. But, um, well, I mean,
0: what what happens when Dansby comes up to bat? Is my
1: question. Oh, uh, I think he gets polite applause for his first at bat, and then we move on. Yeah, well, uh, that's what he deserves. And he's an ex brave. He's you know, he's an Atlanta area native. He deserves that for his first at bat. Well, then then we he shouldn't to, have talked that talk. Well, he I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the high road on him talking uh, well, that I talk. I didn't I didn't ask but, you what you would do. I said what do you think happened? I think our fan base You're is right. nuanced are. and sophisticated enough that they're not going to give Dansby a hard time. I think they're willing to kind of let that bygone be a bygone, you know, charge it, charge <laughs> it to, charge it to Won't him. tell that to
0: Braves Twitter. Well,
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't think Braves fan base and Braves Twitter are necessarily the same folks, but I, I get why Braves Twitter is pissed off. I'm pissed off. But Look, I, I, think, I, I, I think just don't gonna, think you can let six years be go. Yeah. And a world championship. Well, I mean, we didn't let it go with the Dodgers first baseman. Why are we going to let it go with the Cubs shortstop? I, yeah, but there was there, there
0: there was a press conference ahead of that that helped, I think. Um, but I, I think there's going to be some mixed. I think there's reactions. going to be some mixed reactions. I think you're going to hear some boos.
1: And that'll be the Braves Twitter contingency. <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily know that booze aren't deserved. No, that, mean, like you said, for, for the comments that he made.
0: Shouldn't have talked that talk. He sh- <laughs> what, say? Yeah. Uh, what did Cat Williams say? what did Cat Williams say?
1: Shouldn't have been talking. Exactly. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah. So <laughs> unfortunately it is Justin Steele. And it's Bryce Elder.
1: Oof. That could be tough.
0: It could be. But. I mean, I feel like Elders got the ability to, I mean, to navigate he's this got the,
1: He's got the ability.
0: Had the right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Remain
0: silent. I did not have the ability.
1: Acuna, Albies, Riley.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Olson, Ozuna, Arcia. MH2.
0: What? Hold on. I'm on MLB.com and I'm reading this. Hmm? It says R-C-A comma O-R. Do we have another Arcia on the team that starts with O? Like everybody else. <laughs> there's nothing after r c comma O-B. What the? What the? What the, <laughs> what the? So there's all these o- Olsen, Ozuna, uh, and, and comma Pilar. O-R. None of those have first. A- and Acuna doesn't have a first initial. Riley has a, a, a- has Even a though initial. Acuna has a brother. You <laughs> know? So, Riley has an A, Arcea has an OR, and Harris has an M, and Murphy has an S.
3: This is wild.
1: As, as opposed to D, Murphy, for Dale, <laughs> yes. I
0: guess. So, that, I'm sorry. That just kind of blew my mind. Like, what? <laughs> what?
1: Anyway, Arcea in the six spot, MH2 batting seven, um, Sean Murphy, and Kevin Pilar in left.
0: Sean Murphy, who has been dreadful for about two months is still hitting 258 with 21 home runs well
1: and and did you see the video of the 21st yeah it was it was a blast but i just thought that Uh, he he hit a broken back home run i just think it's
0: funny that a guy who has been basically absent for For two two months two months is still hitting nearly 260 with 21 homers and Almost 70 RBIs. He
1: was, he was a house of fire before the All-Star break, which is how he made the All-Star team. Exactly. So.
0: All right. Well, we don't have time. But uh, just FYI, the Angels are considering a trade of Mike Trout if he wants to leave. And I'm curious if he would want to leave. I mean, well, obviously. Why would he not? Well, it's L.A.,
1: He's been there for,
0: but, what, you, 13 years? But, but you
1: know, Sometimes. he's been there 13 years, and, and they've done nothing. He's a New Jersey native. You know, they're not going to be very, Exactly. He's, a, gonna, he's been in New Jersey.
0: Now he's in L.A. Why would I go anywhere else?
1: There's a lot of other places between New Jersey and California that he could go and have some success, like his teammate but Shohei Ohtani is going to. Does
0: he want to leave L.A.? I, I'm just saying, like I, I, I get it. It's, it's where you've always played. Your home is there. You don't want to have to deal with all of the things that that revolve around living somewhere in a city that you don't necessarily want to be in. I don't just to win
1: a championship.
0: Is it worth it? I,
1: I, I, just I, I, I don't. I don't know that Mike Trout is an L.A. kind of guy, though.
0: I, I don't so. know. I'm just
1: saying he's
0: clearly he signed a ten-year deal, so. I don't know. I it worked. Yeah. I, I was just, just throwing it out there. I don't know. Maybe maybe he doesn't want to leave. Yeah. Maybe he does. I don't know. Yeah. So let's take a break real quick. Titans update right after this. It is time now for the, not that. <laughs> there it is, the Titan Insider Titans update. <laughs> update or sports. Zen Sports.
10: Guys, it is your Titan Insider daily sports report. Talked to you by Zen Sports, which is changing the bonus game for the better. Uh am going to throw out, uh, did you guys watch the Rams-Bengals game last night? I did you see it? I, 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 well, It was a jailbreak for the Rams or the uh, Bengals front four, I should say, especially Trey Hendrickson, who was working on a backup left tackle for the Rams. And I'm sure that Mr. Hendrickson, once he turns on the film of the Titans-Browns game and sees what Miles Garrett did, he's like, yep, I like that. Because it's going to be another tough go for this Titans offensive line. They have got to get something or somebody fixed quickly because Hendrickson and the Bengal front four brings yet another big challenge for that Titans offensive line.
1: And and I think part of the problem is there's so much talk about Cincinnati's talk about that. offense that defense and that defensive front kind of get overlooked a little bit.
10: Yeah, they really do. I mean, when you've got Joe Burrow, when he's right, and he still isn't right, and that's what makes you feel like the Titans can stay in this one if their defense can get to him and affect him the way that some others have Uh, earlier this year, you feel like that the Titans at least have a chance to compete in this one, but you're right. If Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, some of those guys get loose, not to mention Joe Mixon in the run game, uh, it could be a tall order for this Titans team to try and keep up.
0: No doubt. Terry,
10: tell us about Zen Sports. All right. Zen Sports. Changing the bonus game for the better. Zen Sports is the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. With Zen Sports, your reward has rewards. You bet with real money, and now you're rewarded with it, too. Earn a whopping 5% cash back welcome bonus for your first 15 days when you sign up with code Street. That's M-A-I-N-S-T. Keep betting and keep earning. Every month after that, with up to 3% cash back rewards on your betting volume. Best of all, earn cash commission on your referral bets with Zen Sports' Referral Rewards Program. Zen Sports' betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. (laughs)
4: have a dragon here. I saw it. No they, no, they don't. There's no such thing as dragons. I swear, I saw it. It had a huge claws. Get out I'm of here.
6: It had eyes as big as the moon. Come on, I'll shake it. Wait up!
5: <gasps> See that? We're almost there. Whoa! I told you so. That is a dragon.
0: Got that radio voice going.
1: It's a good sound. He the radio too. Okay. <laughs> As
3: do we. And then here's the other thing. You guys, you're spot on with the name. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. So. And, and we reach every Main Street in Middle Tennessee, coach. Yeah, that's it. So Perfect. when you are on Main Street and you are moving, got to love it. Like you're moving. I was impressed. <laughs> I'm glad someone.
0: Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint, Chris Yao and Mo Patton on this top five Tuesday, still to come top five biggest blowouts, beatdowns in sports history. Should be fun. Right now, we're going to go to Chip Walters, the voice of the Blue Raiders, talk a little bit about the MTSU Blue Raiders. And um, Chip.
7: Yes or you no? Know,
0: when, when I talk to adults, I like to take
7: my hat and sunglasses off. Well, thank you. Uh, I was—I right. I, I was—that's I was, that, pretty good. Uh, Jane
0: Voorbel would be very angry with
7: you right now. I, 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 I took my hat off, but uh, no, I had an eye doctor appointment today. I've been dilated, so uh, I would probably have big raccoon eyes if I took the glasses off.
0: It's perfectly fine.
1: I just, we're we're not Jay Norvell. So it's it's okay.
7: We're good. We're good.
1: good. um, Chip, before we get into Colorado state and 100 miles of hate, I saw a post on Facebook from blue Raider basketball earlier today. Tell us what's going on in the glass house.
7: Uh, as far as structurally or yes, team-wise? Structurally. for <clears throat> uh, th- Well, the the video boards in either end of the arena, one of them's down. The other one is uh, being uh, efforting down. and uh, And the new video boards will come back. If you remember in Murphy Center, you had a structure up there that had a video board, and then there was static signage on either side of it. Well, this will be exactly the same size, but it will be entirely digital. So uh, it will appear to be much bigger. They can, you know, like, like any place, like, you know, any place that has the newer uh, video boards, they can cut it up and, you know, they can put what looks to be static signage on there at different times of the game, all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be, a, and it also will be totally HD, Uh, And then the same thing will happen in Floyd Stadium next year. So uh, so you're you're you you, you also have new video boards uh, within the last three years in baseball and softball. So uh, this will get everything up to date. Uh, There will be uh, as part of all of this, a new totally HD control room uh, will be built I think it's going to be the build out of that's going to be in Murphy Center and they'll be able to control uh any of the video boards uh on campus from that one uh control room uh and in particular uh, they'll they'll do most of the stuff with uh the football and basketball boards from there but in addition to that structural change and fan amenity uh both teams uh, got out on the floor officially for the first time it's It's like they never stopped. But, you know, the first official practice was was uh, was yesterday and today was the second official practice. And both teams going at it pretty doggone hard.
1: Like to hear that.
7: Yeah. And uh, and uh, I tell you, the the, I've, I've happened to have been over there. The men have moved their practice time from it used to be three to five every day. The women would go one to three. Men three to five, they've now moved theirs from ten to twelve. <clears throat> they've worked out uh, class schedules and all of that to where they can go ten to twelve every day, and uh, it just works out where I happen to be over there a couple of days a week during that window. And uh, and I'm telling you, there it has been loud on the floor, which uh, I, I, I say that is a, is a good thing. It's been very competitive, uh, so I, I think I think we're going to have a a fun fall and winter uh at the glass house both on uh, the men's and women's side.
0: Should be a lot of fun. Let's
7: talk a little bit about this week. What uh what went wrong in the second half? Uh we're not consistent uh, offensively. Um you make the cardinal sin of of uh putting the putting the uh, football on the ground and allowed Colorado State to scoop and score. And I think the analytics say that if you score a defensive touchdown, your chances of winning a game are like 90%. So, you know, that play in itself was a huge deal. I mean, you you did have the situation in the first half where you had the, the fake field goal that really there were two opportunities to to tackle uh, to stop that play. And, and I'm telling you, Middle was like that close on, on both of them. Barely missed them. Uh, on both opportunities there, I talked to Scott Schaefer today. He was actually pretty happy with the way that they had played. They did another good job of uh, defending the run, and 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 really in traditional offense, only gave up 17 points of with Colorado State's traditional offense. They uh, you, you had 14, you had seven on the scoop and score, and seven on a on a fake field goal, which was basically a special teams play offensively Mitch Stewart uh, is, is was not a happy camper. He uh middle had six well we talked about it last week middle had 12 penalties uh in in the game against Murray State and talked about needing to clean that up. Well, at halftime they had six, so they were well on their way uh but did not commit another penalty in the entire second half, but the ones in the first half were drive killers again. You had two holding calls that uh on third downs that just put you in horrible spots and uh but you know they they kind of cut down on the number uh of receivers they used uh which that's not that was not necessarily uh that was planned uh and they did get frank Pizant back which uh he and flip cradle and uh in uh jaquel middlebrook uh was was a nice one two three punch in the run game and for the second week in a row, 150-plus in rushing. So I think that's something that can travel this week uh, going to Western Kentucky uh, because that was part of the recipe that Troy had last week is they played keep-away, and Western's offense was only on the field 20 minutes, while Troy's offense had the football for nearly 40 minutes. You said Pizant
1: is back, Chip. What was his situation that kept him from being there previous
7: he, I'm not sure he was banged up, probably the, the, uh, the traditional either upper or lower body injury. I'm not sure which one it was, but I'm sure it was one of the two, but he had missed the Murray state game and, uh, but was back. Uh, they, uh, and I, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking may be in, uh, upper, maybe a shoulder or something, but I think he, he got back out. I think, uh, a little quicker than they, they expected and, uh, and was productive, but, uh, you know, uh, Flip Cradle has been a really nice addition. The Northern Illinois transfer, not only in the run game but uh, but in the pass game as well. It is time
0: to take the trip 100 miles from Murfreesboro to Bowling Green on Saturday. Or no, sorry, on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Know, yes, sorry. Uh, this is as, the beginning as, of uh, as yeah. the Conference USA play starts the their midweek games, and so what's what's it been like since Saturday? What's your what's your life been
7: like? Uh, hectic, and, other than uh, getting your eyes dilated. Yeah, other than get my eyes dilated I'm not today. Making but it easier. No, the, the, I'm trying. to Like here's my I've got game notes here. I'm trying to game. trying to oh, to, to read them, but uh, <laughs> there's uh, you know it it w- what it has done. I mean you know, last night we, we had a coaches show and earlier today I was back over there talking to coordinators, which I normally do on Thursday. So I I was, I was in the coordinator's offices today. They were uh, in their, on their conference calls with CBS at at about the same time. So it is, and and it it just, it it speeded everything up uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, we're, we'll fortunately we don't have to fly or anything tomorrow. So we'll, uh, our crew will just go up, uh, Thursday afternoon, drive up and, and, uh, and make it just a day trip out of it. And, uh, and come back football. They'll, the team will stay up there tomorrow night. They'll leave late in the afternoon and get up there and, uh, and, and have Thursday to do some walkthroughs in the parking lot and things like that. And then, you know, as this goes through the following week, um, It's also a six-day week. This is a five-day prep. Next week is a six-day prep because we play on Wednesday. And that means that my normal Thursday will come on Monday. And then the following week after that's another six-day week because we play on Tuesday, meaning that my Thursday will happen on Sunday. And on those back-to-back Tuesday games, we're actually going to record Coach Stocksville's radio shows on the previous Friday and still air them on Monday night at the normal time. But, but, uh, but uh, yeah, we've had to make some adjustments to, to preparation schedules and what all we're trying to do. But, you know, this week, you've got conference USA games on Thursday and Friday, next week, Wednesday and Thursday, the following week, the following two weeks, or the following three weeks, actually all on Tuesday and Wednesday. So there's, this is a five week, deal going up. Middle will play in four of these, the first four of these weeks, and then we'll have that fifth week off, uh which would, and then not play again until November the 4th. I guess, Chip, the good thing,
1: you know, for you individually anyway, is again, it's Western, and then it's home against Jacksonville State and Louisiana Tech before you have to travel to Liberty, right. which I would assume would be on a Monday night at that point for the yeah. Tuesday game against Liberty. So that,
7: that's correct. We yeah, we have the the only long trip we have. It is a seven day prep for that one, which is which is good. But Coach Stocksel will he has uh, read chapter and verse that uh, starting this past Saturday with the homecoming game that Middle plays five games in twenty five days, and uh, and and so. the the big concern for, for he and, you know, every coach in the league is let's say, fortunately middle didn't, I don't think got anybody hurt in a major way on Saturday, but had you done that and somebody needed, you know, six days to get back, well, you would, you, they'd miss, they'd miss a game or let's say you get somebody hurt in practice today well they are they're liable to miss two games right. in in a span of 7 days. So uh, uh that that in recovery, I mean uh certain things like the the ice tub, uh those kind of things after practice are not optional this week they are mandatory uh because they want to be able to do everything they can to help speed up uh just the general recovery period following a football game.
1: And you know Chip, when we had the chance to speak with um, Rick during MTSU's media day, I uh, can't see it, but um, he he voiced his concerns, I guess, with regards to five games in 25 ga- uh, days, four games in 20 days. Uh, when When we come through this season,
7: do you think we see this schedule again next year? Oh, I think you will. But I'm not sure if they're able to, um, I'm not sure if they may be able to tweak it a little bit. Um, you know, I don't know, would this have been a good week for everybody to have off and then go into a uh, a four-week, uh, midweek schedule uh, where you would never have a five-day prep Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I think they'll take a look at it, but I think this is here for the foreseeable future uh, because this was all part of the new television package to get the more exposure. And and for instance, like this week, there are three games. And those three games are on CBS, ESPNU, and CBS. Uh, That's Thursday and Friday. Then next week, ESPNU, CBS on Wednesday – CBS, ESPNU on Thursday. So it goes back and forth just like that. So you're going to be on a national platform every game you play during the month of October, which actually starts September 28th.
1: (laughs) Um, I'm sure Rick isn't the only coach that has voiced these concerns about the compressed schedule.
7: I'm I'm sure that's the case. Uh, I think, I mean, it's a – uh you know, it, it's a catch twenty-two in that it is some of the best uh overall exposure mm-hmm. for for conference USA football uh in a concentrated period of time uh that we've had in what, ten years maybe? Something like that. Uh and and uh so there's that and then you have to balance that with with the uh the The prep and all of that so you know i I don't know it it, it, it's like for instance uh after this week western kentucky will play i think a normal seven-day uh recovery for each of their next three games so you know it's kind it was kind of interesting i was talking to randy lee their radio voice uh for our coaches show and and you know it was uh they played on the road at Troy Saturday afternoon, but they flew home and they were back in Bowling Green uh, by the time we were at halftime of our game in Murfreesboro. So, you know, coaches always like to talk about, well, you know, they got five hours more rest than we do. And, you know, it's always woe is me. But uh, so, but I I think there's some absolute validity and, 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 and concern uh, when you have, in Middle's case, three straight weeks of less than seven days prep, well, you got, the yeah. positive this week is that
0: Jacksonville State has the exact same schedule you guys do. So,
7: yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they, they <laughs> no play no on.
0: advantages there.
7: Yeah, they, they <laughs> thank they, God. Uh, they're they're on the road, but I mean they're on the road at Sam Houston, so they'll actually get home a little later, and then uh, and then uh, Rich Rod and company will roll in. Uh, next wednesday night which by the way while i'm thinking about that the next two home games are those midweek games and if you go to go blue raiders.com there is a buy one get one free uh link to uh where you can get two and we're not talking end zone seats we're talking sideline reserve which are normally 24 dollars each you get two for 24 dollars for each of these midweek games and uh because obviously you want to put on the best show possible when you are on on the on the 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 platforms that we're going to be on and also we've had really good crowds the last two home games homecoming crowd was terrific and uh great atmosphere just you know just hated we you know couldn't find a way to get a win there at the end of the of of the football game you know middle's at the 32 yard line uh on with a fourth down play ready to throw in the end zone and the ball gets knocked out of uh Nick's hands and and the game was over. Yes. You were going to have to score a touchdown and, and, uh, and a two point conversion, but you had that opportunity uh, after had putting together another scoring drive right before that, it was a very entertaining, well-played game for the most part. Obviously middle had a few mistakes. They'd like to get back, but you know, they'll have a, this is a a key game, obviously with, with it being Western Kentucky and, and uh, you know, two years ago, Nick Vadiato, this is the game where he got thrown in uh, after the Chase Cunningham injury and ended up with five interceptions that night. And uh and I think Nick will go into this game with a bit of a chip on his shoulder, feeling like there's something for he and his offense to prove and and I'll look forward to watching them uh try to do that. Should be fun, should be
10: a
0: an exciting game on Thursday. We'll certainly be watching and talking about it on Friday for sure. So looking forward to it, looking forward to seeing you next week, Chip. So
7: Without my sunglasses without on. Without your sunglasses
0: on, hopefully your eyes will be in perfect condition by then. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Chip, will you be hope, – I hope he's able to see the field Thursday.
1: You know, with the, with the Wednesday game next week, will you be okay to come on uh, with us?
7: Next I should Tuesday. be. Uh, yes, I should be able to. I'll be just, at the stadium already. Or just, already. Stop, by, or just and, stop by Wednesday. <laughs> All the way. Yeah, do that
1: yeah,
0: anyway. We'll, we'll be over there as part of the, the, the Main Street Sports Today Roadshow. That would be awesome.
7: Awesome. So, yeah, we,
1: we're not sure just yet where we're going to be setting up, but we'll, Wherever we'll be sure us. and let you know. <laughs>
7: Good deal. I appreciate it. All,
0: All right. right. Well, we appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. That's Chip Walters joining us here on Main Street Sports as he does each and every Tuesday except when it's not Tuesday. (laughs) Let's take a break. When we come back, more college football. AP poll is out. We'll talk about that. There are some interesting spots in there, (laughs) and and I've got questions. So we'll answer those right after this on Main Street Sports today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions.
5: And it's, it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients.
0: Call 615-274-8698 today.
1: Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net.
0: Welcome back in to Main Street Sports. Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, I'm Chris Yao. Joined by Mo Patton, and we're talking a little bit about the Associated Press Top 25 College Football Poll, Mo. And I am, you know, one of the things that I like to do is go to go to CBSSports.com, where they have not only the AP Top 25, but they have the coaches poll side by side with it. And then they have their uh, CBS 133. And so, you know, as, as CBS I'm... CBS
1: Sports is pretty, pretty handy.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's a fantastic website, and, and I, love, I love checking it out. But I'm curious here because the AP Top 25, let's, we'll just give you the top 10 real quick, Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Ohio State, Florida State, Penn State, Washington, USC, Oregon, and Utah. Now, I gave you the top 10 because I have a question. Mm -hmm. What has Utah done that has them ranked seven spots higher than Duke?
1: I don't have an answer for you. Um, They beat Florida, which is a pretty good win. It looks better now than it did at the time.
0: Much better. Beat Baylor by seven. Of course, it was on the road, but Baylor also lost to Texas State. <laughs> yeah. They beat Weber State thirty-one to seven, and then they beat UCLA fourteen to seven. That's three Power Five wins, mm-hmm. if you count Baylor as a Power Five team.
1: <laughs> Since they lost to Texas.
3: Since they, they lost to Texas State.
0: Duke only has two Power Five wins. And the uh, and, and one of them is Northwestern. If you count them as power five right now,
1: without their coaching. Who are their the other two wins against? UConn
0: Yukon and Clemson.
1: Now, oh, none oh, of oh, them oh, have oh, been
0: oh, close. Oh, hold up, hold up. Duke has beaten who? Clemson, Lafayette, Northwestern, and Yukon.
1: Okay, so Clemson and Northwestern are their two power five wins. Correct. And then they beat Yukon and Lafayette. Correct. Okay.
0: None of them have been particularly close, however.
1: Well, I mean, I, it, it sounds to me as though you may have answered your own question. Three, three over two?
0: I mean, maybe.
1: And Clemson may be the only good team that Duke has beaten.
0: Maybe. But they beat them by three touchdowns. At home and and i just I, I i think this is just another point that preseason polls skew in season rankings where, i
6: think duke, where
1: where where would you put duke
0: top 12 probably 12th
1: instead of who I mean, would you put Duke ahead of Utah?
0: They'd probably be right next to each other. I don't think they're seven spots away. You know what I mean? I, I, I think, well, let's look at who's between them. Look, let's do it. I mean, I think I think they have. A they better, they got a shot. They they, they have a get better resume. They have a better resume at Washington than Washington State. They have a better resume than North Carolina right now. Oklahoma, I'd probably put them ahead of Oklahoma. I mean, that's that's iffy. Louis LSU, absolutely. I'd have them over LSU. Heck, LSU's got a loss. (laughs) Alabama right now? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'd put them at 12. I think Notre Dame, Utah, and Duke probably about the same. Well, we're going to find
1: out about two of them Saturday. We are, because they'll get a chance to play Notre Dame. And I love the way the AP poll lists Notre Dame among 1A independents.
0: Well, I mean, they are technically independent, technically.
1: That, that irritates me beyond beyond all logic. That irritates me. It, well, they can't it's, play it's, for it's, a conference it, It's more irritating than it should be, but it, it irritates me.
0: But here's here's the thought process. I mean, you're telling me and. Granted, I think that I think USC and Oregon and Washington, they're, they're, by the way, the four Pac-12 teams in a row.
1: That's, that's odd. I mean, folks voted, and that's the way it came out.
0: And I don't think there's any arguing that necessarily, except that I think that two of them should probably be in the top five. I mean, just, you know, Ohio State, I think they, they earned a top five ranking. I don't know what Michigan's done to earn a top five ranking right now.
10: Mm -hmm. Georgia,
0: Texas deserves to be up there. We've had this conversation. I think Mm -hmm. Florida, there's no way Florida state should be number five in the country right now. No way. Based on their last two performances, you're telling me that Washington shouldn't be ahead of them. Penn state shouldn't be ahead of them.
1: So, so basically all of this comes back to, for you, that the preseason top twenty-five yes. prejudices.
0: It absolutely does.
1: Okay, but it's there.
0: I understand, I mean, that, but <laughs> but I mean, once the games are played, shouldn't we, you know, use what we have based off of the games played on the field versus <laughs> what we think a team is capable of doing? <laughs>
1: Your stance applies in a number of different places.
0: This is my entire point, Mo. <laughs> and Has, I mean,
1: hashtag IYKYK. I'm
0: fine with a preseason poll. What I'm not fine with is only maneuvering the the, the preseason poll. Make, making everything
1: else fit, fit the preseason poll.
0: It's exactly what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand Georgia and Michigan haven't lost. I get that. But if we're being honest, neither of those two teams look like the number one and number two teams in the country based on what we've seen. I think Washington has looked better. I think Penn State, after what they did on Saturday, looks better. Now, I understand (gasps) that Iowa is trash, awful. On offense, but they were a top twenty-five team, apparently, according to these people. Well, but again, again though, again, according to these people. So, if you thought well, Iowa was that good, then destroying Iowa should should mean something. Should warrant more than one space up. I don't know. It's just it's just frustrating because LSU has no business, none whatsoever, being in this poll at all, at all. You don't think LSU is a top twenty five team I don't think they deserve to be in the poll. I'm not saying they're not one of the twenty five best teams in the country. They probably are, but I mean Mississippi state and arkansas don't don't really give me a whole lot of confidence based you know based on what happened to them against Florida state. I don't think that I don't think that certainly doesn't warrant a 13 ranking. I think if you want to make them 22, 23, 24, 25, somewhere in the that, the 20 range with mm-hmm. Ole Miss, Tennessee, Florida, I'm probably okay with that. But honestly, I, I'd probably, I'd probably have Kansas ranked above them. I think BYU is a better win than either of the two wins that they've got so far. I I mean, this is just, I don't know. It's kind of where I'm at. It's frustrating to watch teams like, you know, Oregon State drops five positions by losing to Washington State. Now, Washington State moved up, but it was a one-possession game, and you're telling me that, that it warrants moving five spots down? On the road, you lost by one possession?
1: At least, though, you know, you've got, you know, 63 voters, I think, 56, 58. Yeah. Yeah, 63 voters. So you're, you've you've got a number of different approaches to the vote that are giving you this, what it is we're looking at on the yeah, screen. I, I, but we're still looking at
0: Tennessee ahead of Florida. How that happens, I don't know.
1: I have no idea how that happens. That, that happens because clearly a number of voters did not watch the game. As or him. or
0: a number of voters said, well, it's Gainesville and Tennessee just can't win there no matter what. Someone sold their soul to the devil. That's all I got. I mean, that's the only, that's the only logical explanation. I mean, Florida's, Florida's not going to win. You know, they're, they're probably going to win seven, eight games. Well, and the thing is, don't,
1: I don't think Florida is better than Tennessee. Florida beat Tennessee. Florida was better than Tennessee that night. Absolutely, uh, um, and and it sounds stupid for me to say. I don't think Florida is better than Tennessee, but I truly don't.
3: But if we I were think Florida game.
1: played over their heads and Tennessee played terribly.
0: Oh, which I mean, Florida played over his head last year in the Tennessee game. Oh, so shouldn't have been. Did in, you see that? that
1: game. Did you see that? Ricky Pearsall. Yes. Catch insane, that I insane, sent you.
0: Insane. Maybe the greatest catch I've ever seen. Ever. Not just this year, ever. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he reached up there and kept the ball in his hand. In
1: traffic, it, not in the corner of the end zone, not going out of bounds, but was caught just, it, took a hit, held it.
0: it. It was insane. Yeah. I think, what what did the stats say in, that, in the Tennessee game ahead of that, that 74% of his catches go for a first down or touchdown? Is that all? <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like every catch, right? So, it, yeah, I mean – yeah, dude's good. But if we're making a top twenty-five, Mo if we're, if, if, there's no way in good conscience that we can put Florida behind Tennessee, no matter where they are. All right. Especially if they're next to each other.
1: That's just glaring to look at them right there, like it's,
0: that. And, and same thing with Tennessee and Alabama last year when everybody kept voting Alabama five and Tennessee six. It didn't make any sense. If when
1: Tennessee had beaten them. If they, but, if they're, if they're
0: next to each other, you know, if Tennessee wins. 10 games and Florida wins 7 games, then sure, Tennessee should probably be ahead because we know that body of work matters. But if they're the same...
1: Mm. (laughs) All things being equal, yeah.
0: I don't know how this happens. It just it blows me away. Mm. It really does. I mean, so anyway, I just... The questions that I have, one, include... How are so many one-loss one SEC team, teams ranked? Because I'm not sure if I let me see if, I, if they've got rankings, if they've got records on here. They do. The only teams with a loss are Notre Dame, Alabama, LSU, Oregon State now, who lost to a ranked team, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Florida. Those are the only teams with a loss. Now, Oregon State and Notre Dame both lost to ranked teams. Mm
10: -hmm.
0: Alabama lost to a ranked team.
10: LSU lost to to a
0: ranked team. team. Well, they weren't ranked when they lost to them. And so, like, but the only teams with losses are SEC teams, Notre Dame.
1: And Oregon State.
0: And Oregon State. That seems a little iffy to me. Just saying, saying. especially in a year where the SEC looks pedestrian.
1: It just means not as much. (laughs) Then again,
0: if not them, then who? Right. Kansas State sits outside of the top 25, just lost on a field goal on the road to Missouri. I mean, I don't know that that warrants getting kicked out of the top 25, but. It's close, and they're twenty six.
1: Losing to Missouri might warrant getting kicked well, out of the top twenty
0: five. Four and zero, Missouri, number twenty three in the country, baby. <laughs> which is a which is the perfect setup for Vanderbilt, by the way. They got to come to Vanderbilt this weekend. Mm. And as and as bad as Vanderbilt has been at times this year, they're still capable of sneaking up on somebody, and probably more so this year than last year. I don't so watch out.
1: That's I don't what know what out. you base their ability to do that on, though. I, I mean, against a pedestrian, again, Kentucky team, you know, swan throws three picks, two of them go the distance the other way. I mean, they're not – But if you don't throw those three picks. If you don't throw those three picks, okay.
0: Well, and and (laughs) my my point to that is that's a fixable error. You know, don't turn the ball over, clearly. You don't turn the ball over, and you've got a chance to win this game.
1: But A.J. Swan is of a mindset, I would imagine, that I've got to try to make some plays in the passing game because we can't run the ball. We have no running game. Because we can't run the ball. Sure, so,
0: I'm just saying that it, it, you know, make better decisions. Don't try to force it, in, and you don't throw two pick sixes, and they're right in that game. So it's
1: a lot of you. Well, <laughs> I understand that.
0: I get that, but I also don't think that Missouri's as good as Kentucky. So hmm. there's that. Four and zero
1: at all. That's no. That's just don't that throw I it toward Chris ripped.
0: Abrams' drink. Just don't throw it in his direction. Exactly. Wherever he's
1: at, throw it the other way. Because he's coming down. Because he's with gonna it. get it. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and he can take it. Yeah. So just don't throw it towards him, AJ.
1: But, I mean, but I'm just saying. It, it but just, Vanderbilt's got to. They've got to play better defensively, and obviously they've got to take care of the ball, and they've got to try to come up with a running game, and they got to do uh, all that against the number twenty-three team in the country.
0: Yeah. Uh, I will say this. I'm glad that Missouri and Fresno State and Kansas are in the top 25. I think they are 23, 24 and 25 because they were nowhere near the top 25 in the preseason. If there weren't a preseason poll, would would they be? Would Missouri, Kansas and Fresno State be higher? 18th, 19th, 20th? Would they, I, I don't know. Would Miami be at 18 based on what they've done? I mean, they did beat A and M, but outside of that, how big a deal is beating A Outside of that, Miami, Ohio, Bethune-Cookman, and Temple, and beating A and and wouldn't have been a top 25 team at the time that they played if there were no preseason poll. So I'm just saying that. Trying to make puzzle pieces fit sometimes will change your way of thinking. And I just feel like maybe maybe there's better ways to do it.
1: I'm going to tell you that the preseason poll is not going to go away. No,
0: can't imagine. And look, I'm not necessarily saying that it should because if we don't have it, that's a week of content we don't have. I mean, we would have to create our own top 25 poll or something. Yeah, so. And so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying that I don't mind having a preseason poll. I just think that trying to make the week four poll fit within the parameters that you set in the With preseason, the pre-season poll. shouldn't be the way that you approach the poll. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. Let's take a break. Top five biggest beatdowns in sports history coming your way. I've only got like eight, so I hope you don't have the same ones. Stick <laughs> around, Main Street Sports Today returns after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net.
6: With Lee Company technology, the best handymen are hands off.
0: Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney owned and operated full service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions.
5: And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients.
0: Call 615-274-8698 today.
1: Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net.
0: Top Five Tuesday brought to you by our friends at Mid South Five Fitness. Make sure to go see Thalas Steel and the fine folks at Mid South Five Fitness at Steel Athletes on Instagram, S-T-E-E-L Athletes, and SteelAthletes.com. Let's let's talk about it. The top five worst beatdowns in sports history. Justin is going to be number one today. Justin gets to go first. Mo, you'll be number three, so I'll be number two. All right,
4: then. So are these, are these like uh, biggest blowouts or like games that were upsets? No, these are, these, no, these are, are beatdowns. Beat downs. Like blowouts. Like ups. Yes. The other, okay. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah. you know, like 70, like 70 to, to 20. 20. Yeah.
4: Um, okay. Okay, so I have two then. Yeah, you can go first. I got you. So this may not count, but so I got another one in case it doesn't, but I would say the biggest beatdown to the psyche was when the Falcons lost in the Super Bowl when they were winning 28-3.
0: That's. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to say yes to that because the second half was a beatdown. Right. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's not necessarily point spread so much as how it came about. Now, I mean, a lot of times it is going to be the point spread, but, yeah. I mean, they got dominated in the second half, and Kyle Shanahan is an idiot. So, yeah, I'd say that fits.
0: Well, then I'm going to take the biggest blowout in all of college sports history, Georgia Tech Cumberland. (laughs)
4: You know, that is literally one mile from my house in Lebanon. Like, I can see the camp. Is that the
0: same I Cumberland?
4: Cumberland. It's them.
0: I thought it was, but I wanted to make sure it wasn't like University of the Cumberlands. No, and,
1: no. Because no. Much as I'd like for you to think that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Cumberland. What well, was it, 222
0: to 7? Nothing. Nothing. A, yeah. Still, <laughs> <right>? Still, <laughs> I was, I was trying to get on something. I was <laughs> trying to
4: get on netted negative 42 yards against
0: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah that's, that's my number
4: one. Um, right. My number one
1: is the 1990 NCAA Basketball Championship game. The Running Rebels of Nevada, Las Vegas, 103, Duke
10: 73. Okay. Okay.
4: Jk, okay, Number two. Number two for me is going to be uh, 2,000 U.S. Open Tiger Woods destroys <sighs> the field by 15 strokes, which is ridiculous. The most since
0: 1940.
4: And a major two. That's insane.
0: Yep. I think U.S. Open. Uh, my number two, I'm going to go with Secretariat. Just absolutely dominated the Kentucky Derby field.
1: Ran off and hid. Just –
0: Kept going, and they're still chasing them today.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, my number two doesn't go back very far. The Miami most defeats different to 20. Yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> the, the most recent college football playoff championship oh, game. Oh, good one, good one. Georgia, 65. Texas Christian, seven.
0: Yeah, that was bad. That's a good one. That's a good one. Justin number three.
4: Um, I'm just gonna say it really fast, uh Patriots, Tennessee, fifty nine. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, Two thousand nine.
1: <laughs> what biggest it...
4: half-time lead in league history ever.
1: Fifty-nine nothing, New
4: England over.
1: Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh let's see here. That's fifty-nine over Titans. My number three, we're going to go back in time to quite possibly the biggest beatdown in the history of all sports. And it would be the, sports? in the history of sports. Hmm. The 1989 Class 1A state championship game in Alabama <laughs> when Antonio Langham... Curtis Finch, Tarrant Lynch, and about three others that ended up playing at Alabama took the Hazelwood Golden Bears to a seventy-five to nothing win in the state championship game huh. over Georgia. Huh.
1: Goodness gracious!
0: Seventy-five to nothing in a state championship game.
1: Man, that's bad. I uh, do,
0: and here's the thing: that the. The quarterfinals, they won forty nine nothing. They won the semifinals thirty six nothing, and then the the final seventy five nothing. They so it wasn't a shock
1: then. Oh no, it's it,
0: <laughs> Tarrant, Tarrant Lynch, Antonio Langham. I could go on and on. There was another guy who actually played uh, running back. There was a freshman on that team, and I can't remember uh, who. It, let's see here. And I want to say ninety. Uh, Montoya Madden, who played at Alabama, Mm -hmm. Chris Hood, who played at Alabama, Terrence Steele, who played at Alabama. All of those guys were on that team.
1: Well, I can tell you that that was not on my list.
0: No, I I felt comfortable that it wasn't going to be on the list. Yeah, here's
1: what what is on my list. Um, Game seven of the 1996 NLCS, Braves 15 Cardinals, nothing. Justin.
4: Number four. Nicely done. Um, I'm gonna go similar to my first one, um, but it is a, it was it was a beatdown. Cavs coming back three one against the Warriors to win the championship.
6: All right.
4: We accepting that.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. We'll take that. My number four. Mm-hmm. Bernard Hopkins knocks out Steve Frank in 24 seconds to <laughs> in his first title fight after taking the heavyweight belt.
1: That's a beatdown. <laughs>
0: yeah, 24 seconds. That's all it took. Yes. I, it really wasn't a beatdown, more so as a blowout, because he didn't have time to beat him up uh, no, too bad. That, He just that knocked it
1: out. That's a good point. Um, <laughs> my number four is the um, 1996 Fiesta Bowl, Nebraska 62, Florida 24. Mm. All right, Justin, number
4: five. Uh, my number five is more of a personal one because um, I went to the game. the uh, Two years ago, home opener, Titans versus Cardinals. When, um, oh, yeah. That Chandler a, Jones. Yeah. The
0: Chandler
1: Jones game.
4: The yeah. buzz walking into that stadium was like, we're never going to lose a game. Walking back to our cars afterwards. We're never going to win a game. <laughs> it was just unreal.
0: My number five... Is going to be Ned Jarrett winning the Southern 500 by 14 laps. What
1: happened? Did everybody else's
0: crew they just, just not show went, up? Or they just what? didn't show up. I don't know. Goodness but gracious. It, I, I'm pretty sure he cheated.
1: <laughs> My number five is the 1940 NFL championship game when Chicago beat Washington 73 to nothing. You know what else is on my list? The only one that I didn't get to,
0: the Braves Marlins 27, twenty seven twenty nine
1: nine or whatever seven home runs. Adam Duvall with three in that <laughs> one. Yeah, back in in twenty twenty. Yeah, that's on my Justin, list. Justin, well. what was your number four? I
4: um the Cavs coming oh, back.
1: That's right. Cavs three to one. All right,
0: well, there you go. That's going to do it for the show. We appreciate you guys being with us. It's Top Five Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow at two o'clock right here. Same bad time, same bad channel.